the ability to go from human to first level of AI creates a massive amount of volume that previously was unable and economically uh, not feasible for business. But now we have a version of AI that can pump out X amount of volume. So if every business, for example, is putting out a thousand blogs a week, I'm sure at some point Google will be like, okay, chill. We have to find a way to combat this, right? And then that's when I think that when you stop ranking or when running a thousand different ad sets, because everyone's running a thousand different ad sets. So you're all playing on the same playing field or on, on the same level. That's when, again, people again realize that brand actually really does matter. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, Scott Clary, the entrepreneur podcasting investor, uh, who actually interviewed me for my first podcast. So before I had done I don't know how many episodes I've done. This is the guy that started it all. So if you are uh, not liking how I do things, uh, this guy is to blame because he was on <laughs> this podcast. So welcome, Scott. Well, you were actually my first guest too. So it was it was a first for both of us. And and you were the first one to reply back. I remember I was lining up a whole bunch of guests for my show. And now um, I think 400 guests later, I've still gone back and listened to our show. And I'm like, it wasn't that bad. I didn't know it was your, I didn't know it was your first podcast. It was, it was definitely my first podcast, but I didn't know it was your first podcast. So that's really funny. And I, I'm sure you had no idea of what you were doing and walking into either. So it was like two, uh, like the blind leading the blind, so to speak. And, and it, hey, it makes something unique, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, there was no structure. <laughs> we yeah. were just talking about stuff. But those and, are the best. Those oh, are the, the best. best. Anyway, thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Well, so that was uh, 400 episodes ago. Uh, what have you been up to in the meantime? <laughs> a lot of podcasting. Um, I mean, my background is, has always been in marketing, uh, which is really why I started the podcast is sort of why we're having this conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, when we first were speaking, I was CRO at a tech company that has now since been acquired. Um, I have started to build out my own private equity firm. That's where the investor role in the, in the, in the, in the title on LinkedIn comes from. So I'm building out a private equity firm, which is, is not, easy, but it's an interesting thing to do because uh, in terms of wealth, uh, creating wealth for yourself, in terms of investing, I mean, when you talk to investors, there's kind of like two things you can do. You can do the angel investing kind of startup route, but I actually really like the cash flowing mm. sort of de-risked investing, owning businesses route. So I'm learning that process now. We've made a couple of small acquisitions. Um, and that's sort of why I'm building out the private equity firm for myself as and I'm building it out with two partners. And then I'm also obviously podcasting still. So, I mean, podcast has done well, we've recorded about 400 interviews. I think about 350 of them have been posted if I'm not mistaken. So it's awesome. Love it. Still, still love it. Um, and, uh, I'm still an operator. I'm still building out a company. So after a tech company, I did a 180 to CPG and I'm CEO of a CPG startup. So very busy, but that's kind of like the, the gamut of stuff that I work on. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything I've touched has had a lot of anything that's been successful that I've touched has really been in due to like marketing and learning marketing tech and staying on top of marketing trends and figuring out, you know, what's the latest and greatest. So this is why we're here today. 
I love that. Well, and I love how you'll have not just a marketer's perspective, but you have the investor's perspective, the content mm-hmm. creator's perspective, and kind of a different outside view of how AI is both developing and how you're using it on a day-to-day basis. Because I think a lot of times people could just go off on their own, you know, like a uh, story of how AI is developing or just the marketer's story because, you know, marketers love AI. Uh, but let's just let's just start there kind of like how are you using ai to kind of enhance all those you know various activities that you're doing so it's interesting because i have sort of three different perspectives the podcast is kind of like a solopreneur journey and now there's a small team but very very startup i mean building a podcast is building a business um the the cpg company is more traditional startup where you have a small team you have investment and then the investing side of my life is actually looking at boring businesses that have like no marketing. So mm-hmm. we're looking at brick and mortar that <laughs> don't even have barely a website. So it's very different types of marketing required for all and also different types of budgets, different types of scrappiness. Um, where does AI fit into each one of those? So I think that if you look at even like my workflow for a podcast as a content creator, so like a pure content marketing play, um, I'm using AI for taking podcasts and then turning them into short little clips. So I use opus.pro for that right now, which is a cool tool for that. Um, Also, if I have a a full podcast, I'm trying to, I haven't replaced anyone on my team yet, but I am trying to train them to use AI to do their jobs better. Mm. So um, we leverage AI to pull out show notes and to write show notes for the podcast. We, uh, so I actually, that's not pure AI that's otter.ai, which is a pre-generative AI tool for transcribing, taking that and then putting in a chat GPT to take, to put out some show notes and to put out some timestamps. Um, there's an auto editing tool for podcasts as well, um, that my editor is playing around with, but he's not using permanently yet he's still doing the manual but i've seen i can't remember the name of it now off the top of my head but if you google like ai podcast editing it'll have a tool that i think you can plug into adobe premiere that auto cuts and and recognizes the face and then and then cuts in between two different cameras back and forth like an interview style so it truncates the silence and then it goes back and forth between two different people so like a ton of like workflow optimization with ai for the podcast, which is super, super cool. And then if you look at the other things that I'm working on, a lot of the AI that is involved in uh, like a CPG startup, or even like if we invest in a business and want to scale it up, a lot of it has to do with with content creation. So how do we uh, use AI? How do we first go into like Ahrefs or Moz, look up keywords, and then we use AI to augment like the content creation blog writing for Mm -hmm. those companies. And then all of a sudden, the well, first of all, the effectiveness of using AI for that definitely depends on where the company's starting from. So if I've already have been SEOing a website uh, like my CPG company for a while now, it's going to be effective, but it's going to be even more effective if I take a brick and mortar business in some small town in the middle of nowhere, USA, it don't, doesn't even have a website and they have no local competition. And then I do keyword research and then I can use an admin person to put out like a hundred different blogs that are tailored to the keywords that that business should be optimized for, and then throw those up on a website after a little bit of human finessing. So all of a sudden, like AI can take a a no-name brick and mortar and like put it first page Google in a relatively short period of time because they didn't have anyone working on any web presence. And there's 
also know other companies in that, you know, certain region that are trying to rank on Google because of the type of business and they don't usually have marketing teams or traditional marketing teams would be too expensive for the profit margins or the revenues of a company of that nature. So ultimately it can, it, it's impacting literally everything I'm touching and doing on a day to day, but it has not replaced anybody. It's just improved their efficiency because everything at this point, again, we're going to, we're going to timestamp it to like, you know, mid-year 2023-ish. Um, everything at this point still requires human touch. So even the editing will still require somebody to review the output of the podcast. Mm -hmm. The blogs will still require uh, somebody to, I mean, you have to do linking yourself manually. Um, and you still have to require somebody to look at the actual output and make sure that it makes sense. It's cohesive. There's no incorrect facts because also, you know, AI seems to like to make up facts sometimes as well. So yes, it sort of touched everything that I'm working on to a degree. Man, that's huge. Well, I love how you talked about the the brick and mortars because there, there's so many successful older businesses, 10, 20, 30, 50 years mm -hmm. that have are doing an awesome job, but the entire business has been built off of referrals and the fact that yeah. they've just been in business for so long. But I think you're right. Those are the biggest ones that could scale because they haven't done any marketing at all. And if you really just get them online in any capacity, their business is going to scale. And they're probably more prepared for that scaling than any new startup could be because they have yeah. no idea how to deliver yet. Much less scale. Actually, it's actually wild when you think about it because the startups, I've, I've noticed this. This is something that we built into a thesis with the PE firm that we're, built, that we're building out. If you invest in e-com, if you invest in startups, the general founder of those types of companies is a more forward-thinking looking marketer. So somebody who builds an e-com company or a, a SaaS company or some sort of startup, I mean, they they know about AI. They they've already thought about how to use it in their marketing stack. But the people that aren't as 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 tuned into emerging tech would be brick and mortar. This is a huge generalization, but it's not completely unfounded. Like the brick and mortar owner, mom and pop is not tuned into generative AI and how to use it for their business. So if you don't even have a website and then you come in as a marketer, as a, as a consultant, as an investor, whatever capacity you come in, in, like the lift you can do in a short period of time is like insane compared to, okay, yeah, we can deploy AI for the latest SaaS company, but I can guarantee you the next whatever 50 companies out of Y Combinator are all going to be understanding how to use AI to augment their marketing efforts, right? Everyone's going to know, but mm -hmm. there's a huge opportunity in these like 20, 30, like, I love that referral business that does not know how to market, does not have a website. Maybe they have a couple Google reviews, whatever. And there's other things you can do. I mean, even pre-AI, there was a huge opportunity there. And I think these are the companies that, again, they're, they're profitable. They have systems in place, they have referrals, but like Co like cogs, like cost of goods are very high. They're usually like, you know, if they're a manufacturing or something like that, like it's expensive to make the product to sell it. Um, sometimes service profit margins are a little bit better, but still cogs are pretty, are, are significant and there's rent and there's all these other expenses that like a software company doesn't have. So they usually don't have like an in-house marketer on their team, unless they're a certain size, you know, maybe 10 million in revenue and above. But if they're these smaller ones, they don't have that. So that's where AI is like huge opportunity because you have AI, Plus, no longer a marketer, you have AI plus an admin assistant. And all of a sudden you have somebody that can pump out like, you know, a hundred blogs a week. That's, oh, yeah. that's significant. So oh, it's huge. Well, yeah, and, the it's, cool, it's, 
the cool part is, you know, the marketer is still going to be really good at executing that stuff, hopefully better. But, you know, at the end of the day, the mom and pop who hasn't been tainted by the last 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years of commoditized marketing, which, you know, for the entire world, especially the digital world, has been paid media where it's like, oh, hey, you need to get customers, put 5,000 bucks a day into, you know, Google ads or 5,000 bucks yeah. a day into Facebook ads and you're going to make money. And it's going to have nothing to do with marketing because what you're essentially doing is just a promotion and who gives a crap about the marketing side of it. If the promotion is delivering everything you need, which is new customers all the time. Now that's, I think we were spoiled with that. And that's why marketers kind of, I I think we lost credibility because it wasn't necessary to be a good marketer. All you had to do was know how to do good ads or do good ad, uh, you know, AB testing. And I agree. So this is a whole other thing now. So now you have lazy marketers that were really great at running Facebook ads or Google ads. Um, and now iOS update and now, you know, CCPA, GDPR, like no one wants to share their information because they didn't even know they were sharing their information before. So now you have to be a good marketer, even before we jumped on. Like companies didn't have to worry about, they should have, but they didn't worry about lifetime value because they had like a 14X ROAS yeah. on, on the initial sale because their cap is so low. So like now you have companies that actually have to build the brand that have to worry about the lifetime value of the customer that I read as I read a, I can't remember where I read this. It's like, if you are, are a positive ROAS on, on your first customer acquisition, as opposed to like on the second or third purchase or whatever on the upsell, it's like, now you're a unicorn because nobody, at least from what I've seen, very few people have significantly positive ROAS and are profitable on that first acquisition. So now you have to be a good marketer. You have to get people to actually care about you. Well, not just that, but you have to deliver a good product. You have to have yeah. good customer service. You have to you know, go above and beyond on the experience of what the customer mm-hmm. is going to have. Because if you don't have these components, then, hey, I could find another jerk in it with an ad. And yeah, you become a commodity and, exactly. and you can be replaced. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your Digital Marketing Strategist Certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full-scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. Well, and the, the other side is that the the cost, since you know the paid ad side is actually getting easier to do because of these new AI tools, now you're having a lot more businesses start to realize like, oh, I could run ads online. It's super easy. And that's going to mm-hmm. drive the cost of paid ads up through the roof. And now any business that's reliant on that is going to be in trouble. Plus, who cares? Because who cares if you made a hundred bucks on the first sale if they never come back? Because now you have businesses that will take that hundred dollar sale that they made and turn you into a lifetime customer because they know how valuable you are. So I think it's I think it's the dawn of a new age of good marketing. Answer. I think so too. It's going to be, but there's going to be a point where marketing gets worse before it gets better. So what I mean by that is the first movers are going to take advantage of volume. So they're going to be they're going to be putting out again like 100 blogs a week. You can put out 100 blogs a day. You could run 
a thousand different ad sets because of now AI gives you that scale. But first movers will take advantage for a period, but then all of a sudden there will be a point where you, I don't know where that point is, but there will be a point where you can no longer compete with volume anymore because the ability to go from human to first level of, of AI creates a, a massive amount of, of volume that be previously was unable and, and economically uh, not feasible for business. But now we have a version of AI that can pump out X amount of volume. So if every business, for example, is putting out a thousand blogs a week, I'm sure at some point Google will be like, okay, chill. Doesn't we have to find a way to combat this, right? And then that's when I think that when you stop ranking or when running a thousand different ad sets, because everyone's running a thousand different ad sets, so you're all playing on the same playing field or on, on the same level. That's when, again, people, again, realize that brand actually really does matter. And there's a lot of tangible things that aren't just, again, that first point of acquisition that really, really do matter. And you can, again, a smart brand would be looking into using these tools, not just for initial customer acquisition, but how do we leverage AI to create a more comprehensive post-sale support system? How do we create, how do we, you know, upload our company's knowledge base into a tool that allows for like generative AI chat for post-sale support where you're thinking like the customer success piece is still important. I'm not just leveraging AI for like top of funnel. I'm leveraging it for like the entire customer journey. Mm. I think that's super important too. Oh, no, and that's huge. Well, and, and the part I like with AI is that you can actually set prompts in place in order for anybody in, in the organization to have the, a consistent brand voice. Like you mm -hmm. don't have to rely on, hey, I'm going to teach the team my brand voice or the brands, you know, how we want to display the brand in terms of text or media or whatever it is. You could literally give them a prompt. So you could say, hey, you know, you're writing your uh, post for the day on Facebook. Don't just write the post based on what you're trying to convey. Run it through ChatGPT using the brand voice prompt. And now you have a consistent messaging, consistent voice, consistent tone and feel. And now all of your components within the organization get very uniform so that when anybody communicates with anybody, you know it's this brand because now you're using AI you know, to generate and make sure that it's on point. I love that. Every, every sales rep that I've ever worked with, especially now, Obviously now, I mean, it's a stupid thing to say. There was no AI before. Every every sales rep that I'm working with now, I, I always push them when I'm onboarding them to just learn how to use ChatGPT. Because even if it's not for that exact reason, I want them to understand like the power of, okay, say you're sending, let's do like a, a B2B enterprise product. So say you're sending outbound emails and you know, you're not getting the open rates, you're not getting the, you're not getting the, you know, the the click-throughs, the responses that you want, whatever. Like some people, the creativity doesn't always flow when you're tired, when you're stressed out, when work's happening, when life's happening. So what I find ChatGPT does is it just, it prompts a little bit of creativity. So it gives you, so you say, you put in the ChatGPT, for example, like give me like five examples of um, this is my product. This is my service. This is a little bit about my company. Give me five examples of, you know, outbound cold emails that may get a high response rate. And then it's going to give you five examples. And then like all of a sudden you didn't have to do that creative lift up front. Mm -hmm. So now you don't just take and copy and paste that. You still have to finesse some, you have to put some personalization into them. But I mean, it removes a lot of like the, the heavy lifting so that a sales rep, if something isn't working, they don't have to come back to me for ideas. And they also, after a long day, maybe they, they're tired out. They can just put some prompts in and test something new in the morning without spending like four hours trying to ideate through new cold outbound sequences. So it's like, 
it just helps the human do a lot more. Like I, I mentioned before, I can't remember if it was when we were recording or not, but I haven't let anyone go because of AI. I've only given them the tools to augment the work they're already doing. And I think that's a perfect use of introducing people to the concept because I think initially everybody's kind of scared of it. Like, oh, I don't want it to, you know, take my job or take whatever. And it's like, now just use it like you would a shovel. So instead of yeah. digging a hole with your hands, here's a shovel. It's better. And it didn't take the need to dig the hole away. <laughs> you still got to yeah. do that. But I think it's, uh, you know, when you, when you could shift that perspective, and that's an excellent way to do it. Also, you know, it democratizes the skill set of writing because, you know, I hate to say it, but most people do not know how to write very well. They don't know how to convey yeah. ideas. They don't know how to formulate, you know, the concepts that they're trying to convey. And then they just don't say anything. And so this actually allows those people to be like, no, you don't need to think a ton. Just yeah. vaguely describe what you want. It'll spit out the template like you're talking about. Yeah. And now you could just modify it. And now is it your idea? Is it their idea? You know, is it AI's people idea? Are, people are human, right? Like at the end of the day, you want to write a really important email to a customer, just run it through and spell check. <laughs> like it's like, like spelling and grammar, like, like super, super simple thing. I mean, there's other tools that can do this for you, but it's just, it's just another tool. that's a little bit more complex and a little bit more powerful. And I, I want more people to use it like that, as opposed to being afraid of it. And I think it comes from, I mean, there's going to be a, a lot of people in organizations that are excited about using it, but I think this has to be like, okay, your leader has to be okay with you learning how to use it and like promoting you to explore new tools that make your job easier as opposed to saying oh we don't include that in our organization like like give your sales reps the tools they need or i mean that's my background in sales but give the people that work for you the tools they need because there's not a single job process that exists in my opinion that that chat gpt that generative ai wouldn't wouldn't make easier even if it's just acting as like a more robust more specific google that's it there's so many use cases for it so i think this is where you know again this is a point that's kind of like it's been reiterated a few times but ai is really just a tool and you know the, the cliche is you won't be replaced by ai you'll be replaced by somebody that uses ai right so that's that holds true in my opinion well, and I love what you said about just, you know, more robust uh, Google search, because a lot of times people don't realize that when you're doing these Google searches, you're not just like, oh, I need an answer. And you click, click here's the answer. It's like, no, you don't get an answer. You get 300 million results and you get yeah. videos and you get Quora forums and you get even the top ranking content, even if it's good content, because people will sometimes say like, oh, AI is biased, like it's giving you biased answers. I'm like, nothing's more biased than individual person. And that top ranked article is an individual person. So yeah. if you want bias, that's the only thing that you get when you do Google research. So why not mm -hmm. just get an aggregate average solution and a single answer? And that's what you get with ChatGPT, which will save you. I mean, in terms of me doing an article, an article that may have taken me eight hours before, I could get done in like 30 minutes because the I research know. component is done. You know. And by the way, ChatGPT, at this point does not have it had web access mm -hmm. they removed it temporarily they'll okay. put it back eventually uh bing or edge uh, does have web access if you use their if you use their which is actually chat gpt4 with web access which still mm -hmm. functions through uh the bing browser or edge whatever the yeah whatever, whatever it is. is but um and then and when you when you so i think a lot of chat gpt is actually built on on search results because if you actually um, search a topic or you do research uh, with any sort of generative AI that has internet access, um, then it actually, at least with uh, with Bing, it starts to um, give you uh, the references that it pulls from. Mm -hmm. 
So it starts to actually cite the references that formed the output that you're seeing. And then it's actually, you know, we're talking about AI. There's a new one called Claude, um, mm -hmm. which is like a, another one. And that allows for some ridiculous amount of text input, much more than ChatGPT or Bing. Um, and that, I, I don't even know Bard. It's like, a, I'll deal with that next week. But like, <laughs> I try but it every like few weeks and I'm always disappointed. So I'm like, eh. I am too, actually, which is really sad. But this Claude one is not bad. And it allows you to put in like, like full papers or documents or transcripts. And then it will use that as like the, the training information or data that will eventually then give you the output. So if I want to, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm doing a podcast this afternoon. I opened up a YouTube video with the, the woman I'm interviewing and I copied the whole transcript, put it into Claude, said, Claude, give me the top talking points from this podcast. Gave me the top, the top talking points. Now I have top talking points that she spent an hour and a half talking about. And now I've done the research so I can at least say, bring those up without having to listen to an hour and a half show. So like, like a use case like that, it's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and I have another one. It's called illicit.org. And this one actually, <laughs> well, it only researches or only uses research papers in the results. So if you're trying okay. to justify an argument and you want to make sure that it, there's a legit organization that provided data, this only pulls from research papers. And so, you know, there's a way to do, you know, there's tools now where you, no matter what the research is, you could get it done like almost instant and sound really smart. <laughs> that's smart. And that's actually a good tool to use. I didn't know that existed, but that's important because again, most of the other ones at this point, the numbers aren't solid. So I think there's some, some when it pulls hard numbers or some data, it's incorrect. So it's good that they actually have a tool that only pulls from like peer reviewed journals or whatever, so that you know the information and the data points, especially when it's like an important argument or important point you're trying to make. Yeah, well, or different actually... industries, you know, because yeah. somebody who's in like the medical device industry is not going to be able to fluff statistics. No. <laughs> did you did you hear um, about the lawyers that use chat GPT for an argument and then it pulled made up court cases uh, <laughs> and then they presented that in front of a judge and the judge was like, these don't actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do yeah yeah no, so <laughs> you have to be careful with that don't 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 use it as like a, a legal replacement completely yet <laughs> exactly no there's uh there's some verification that you should probably do on anything that's yeah. super i i do it for presentations i do online because i'm like i don't want to quote an ai stat and then just to find out that there's nothing backing it of course you know no. even with the stats that you find online sometimes you'll try to click on the source link and the source link will make like a circle and you'll come back to the original article and you're like, yeah, I know. So like, listen, even internet pre-AI was not perfect, but always do your research. <laughs> do the work. Well, and that's where the person comes in, where it's like, you know what, even because I actually made a prompt for our uh, customer value journey, you know, our eight stage process. Basically, we build every course off of this one process. I mm -hmm. built the ability to make one within one prompt. All you have to do is really? put in the prompt, put in the business, and it spits out a complete customer value journey. Now, that's really good. However, it doesn't tell you how it works, why it works, you know, the principles behind it, the, you know, experience yeah. that I have using it and that justifies the actions that it suggests taking. So there's still a person has to be involved. And the more knowledgeable the person is about how you would manually make the process, mm -hmm. the better their execution is going to be. So there's always people, you know. I love that. Very, very smart. Well, this has been this has been fantastic. I think you you know you you just outlined really specific and useful approaches to doing it. You, you know, I think you've really taken some of the fear away that people have, like oh, I'm not going to have a job anymore. It's like no, you'll have yeah. whatever you want because now you could learn <laughs> using AI. You can totally learn. 
you can totally learn. And it's silly to think you'll be out of a job. I mean, there's so many examples of when you introduce technology, it doesn't get it doesn't it doesn't take away jobs it always creates new ones oh yeah always always i mean like like the things you use every day like like laptop computers like internet like none of it car. <laughs> takes away jobs ever 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 so this is just another tool this is just yeah. like another tool in your arsenal um i mean and then I, i'm really starting to to push the boundaries of what ai can do as as a marketer so now i'm trying to learn so now i've got the whole content strategy but to your point like how you build out prompts so we've built out for this is something that we're testing internally so we built out prompts to create blogs and from those blog topics then you write newsletters and from the blogs you write tweets and then from the blogs you can create like a whole bunch of scripts for social posts that you could record yourself we've taken it a step further now and we're actually testing out uh turning those blogs into podcast scripts mm. and then using voice training um, to actually create a human voice with like inflection and tonality and read out the podcast script. So it's like the things you can do and the scale you can achieve with this is actually remarkable, but ultimately it's still bleeding edge tech. So you still got to figure okay. out where it fits in your business model, but there's a lot it can amplify. Oh yeah. Well, and in terms of, you know, none of these individual tasks matter if you don't have an overarching strategy where right. it takes somebody from a ignorant you know, a potential customer into somebody who's not only buying your product, but promoting your product and becoming yeah. a marketing channel themselves. Like that's, it's still a process you need. And yeah, all exactly. The, a little thing, you know, like you were saying, you could do a thousand blog posts a day, but who cares unless they have some end purpose, if they have a funnel attached, if they have mm -hmm. lead magnets attached, if what's the point, you know, yeah, and exactly. now, now I think you're able to send you, you could do all this work pretty quickly. Now you could worry about that. It's not just yeah. about, execution it's now about strategic execution and focus on things that matter now yeah you're not well, bogged down with all the other matter. stuff you know yeah nobody wanted those boring data jobs anyways yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly well this has been great uh thank you so much for coming on scott i think uh, you know you. your insights especially outside of just the traditional marketing add a lot to uh the podcast where could people find out more about you um, all the social is at Scott D. Clary and then it's scottdclary.com and just reach out anywhere. Easy peasy. Well, that's fantastic. I love your insights. Uh, I think we definitely have to have you back in, in six months and just kind of say like, how'd it go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I took over. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, no one has a job anymore. <laughs> I regret <Hopefully> not. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Scott. Really appreciate your time and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. My pleasure, man. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you can notify when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarket.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers.
There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.